Hi, welcome to another McLaren Fans podcast. Um, I'm your host, Andy Donnelly. With me this week, co-host, Sarah Merritt. Say hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> oh, I've been wanting to do those, that for a few weeks. <laughs> it's one of those silly moods tonight, is it? And uh, our, our special uh, guest star this evening, or whenever you're listening to the podcast, I guess, is Owen Davies, a big McLaren fan, and he's okay. here to... Uh, so talk to us a bit about the race and a few other bits and pieces um, later on. So um, first things first, we had some great feedback again. Brilliant to see so many people entering the competition and listening to the podcast. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, well done to Andy Robinson for winning. Hey. I that, uh, yeah, I hope we see a picture of you of you wearing the, the, hat, the hat very soon. And uh, we're going to probably do another giveaway over Christmas and New Year. So keep listening for how that goes. Right, guys, let's get cracking, eh? Um, Let's start with Imola this weekend. Just gone. Over to you, Sarah. It it was a strange weekend for me because... um, Andy, as as a lot of people who know us might know from reading our social, both of us have been to Imola on on visits, pilgrimages, call it what you will. Um, So it's a place that, although I was excited to see F1 go there, the history of it was was on my mind as well. It was a kind of happy but sad weekend for me. Um, However, we didn't get to see Imola in the way I wanted to. I wanted to see it full of fans. I wanted to see it bustling. And because of the way things had changed... um, in Italy, with regards to COVID and lockdowns, etc., we didn't get to see that. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting, and I think Sky and and I don't watch I haven't watched Channel Four, so you might tell me they've done it as well. Did some really nice, respectful pieces about the weekend, about the circuit, about the unfortunate history that we all know about. Um, so yeah, I think I think they all dealt with that really well. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad that the. Uh... You know, they also mentioned about Roland Ratzenberg because sometimes he yes, does get forgotten yes. about. Um, yeah. Like you say, having visited the, the track myself, there's a, a really kind of moving center memorial there. But then when you go around to, I think it's the, the exit of Tosa where the Roland had his accident, there's, there's nothing there at all. There was one flower attached to a fence when we got there. And that yeah. was actually really just, that was just, that broke me completely that did at that point. Um, but there, there you go. Um, I guess, Owen, you, you, I don't know whether you've been to Imola or not, um, but I guess yeah, you've yeah. seen it on telly and seen some of the things. Uh, what, did, what did you think of the, uh, the, the circuit this weekend and the, the sort of run-up to it yeah. and everything like that? I was really excited at the prospects of, of Formula 1 going there. Um, a couple of things, well... One thing I really noticed was how narrow the track is in comparison with other. Oh yeah. You really know. I really noticed that having gone away from it and then kind of revisiting it, and I think the, the narrowness of that track caused a couple of problems. Not not as much overtaking as a, as a, as I would like, and lots of track limit uh, problems. Uh, drivers going over. Bits of the circuit that shouldn't be going on. Good old um, track limits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so when it, we'll probably come to it, when it comes to the actual race on Sunday, I was a bit frustrated by the lack of overtaking. Um, uh, so I was, uh, I was kind of excited. Kind of, 
Yeah, it kind of felt like the DRS should have been a little bit longer if we could have done it. But I think, you know, it's, it's down to safety. You, I guess break, breaking too late into them, uh, the Tamburello chicane is not what you want to be doing. Um, but, yeah, certainly um, the, there wasn't as much overtaking as what you'd normally want to see. But it meant that you had a really good strategy um, from the off. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's let's get on to the sort of race weekend itself. Uh, let's discuss um, Friday. Yeah, what did everybody think of Friday? Uh, uh-huh. You comedian, uh-huh. you. <laughs> yes. There was no Friday this time. Um, well, it's, it's quite a good sort of segue into what do you guys think about the two-day weekend format? How did you find it, Owen? Did you think it worked? Did you think it was... Um, Something that we should be seeing more of in the future. Um, well, I, can, I can understand why they, they did it in terms of the sort of logistics of getting there and having enough time to kind of set up and all the rest of it. Um, it, it meant that Friday was kind of curiously felt a bit kind of flat <laughs> without any kind of action that, that day. Um, and I, I think for me, it didn't make a huge difference. Um, but I think if you were if you were on the inside, uh, you know, working for a team or whatever, it must have meant that the Saturday was a kind of compressed schedule of doing lots of things in a relatively short space of time. So that must have been a bit of a stress around for the, for the people that work in, in F1, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, I saw uh, Karin Chanduk say something on Twitter today about how the compressed weekends would be better for the workload of teams. But I don't know, my my Twitter timeline, looking at what people were saying, it looked like it was frantic. There was a lot to do. Um, you know, so I don't, unless it would take them a while to get used to that routine, I can't, I can't see that it means there's any less work for them to do. And Owen, I don't know if you agree, and Andy, you've, I know you'll have thoughts on this, but from travelling to races, Friday's a good day for looking about, walking around, trying different grandstands. It, yeah. It's often a day, actually, at somewhere like Silverstone, that some people can only afford to buy a Friday ticket, and it's their one opportunity to go to Formula One. So what do we think about, other than the workload side of things, if we lost Friday forever, what would that mean to the fans? I think it would be a big loss. Um, it just, as you say, it's kind of part of the race weekend as far as I'm concerned. Um, I suppose, given the pandemic that's going on, the the kind of the money that they're getting off the gate is kind of less of a concern for them. So hopefully yeah. if we get some kind of normality back, then we will get our, our full racing weekend back again. I, I think if we can... Um kind of use this format for maybe sort of special events or sort of, you know, if they kind of went to Mugello or Imola or some tracks that they've not been to before and did it as a two-day race weekend sort of special event, I can kind of get on board with that. But like you say, as a fan, turning up on the Friday, even the Thursday sometimes for the pit walk is, is, you know, it builds up over the weekend to like the crescendo of the race on Sunday. Not only that, Friday's a great day to buy all your merchandise. <laughs> Especially it before it sells that. out. <laughs> <laughs> to, that, to those of you listening, if you haven't seen Andy's pictures of his wardrobe, they are something to behold. This is a man that buys a lot of merchandise when you go to a race. Yeah. Um, my, my, um, my little niece once said to me, do you own any clothes that aren't McLaren? 
and I was stumped <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> I didn't know they made pants, Andy. Is that, is that a thing? They make socks. <laughs> they do make socks. They've not made pants yet, but if they did, I'd probably buy them. Good point, Sarah, on the Friday then. So, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if it was a test to see how it went from a can we do this going forward point of view. And I, I agree with Owen's comment. If this was a, a COVID way to get around things to squeeze a race in, then I'm happy with that. If it means we see a historic circuit, then I'm happy with that. If it was a if it was a test to see if we can get away with making all our F1 weekends two days, then no from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that's unanimous from us all, really. Um, let's move on to Saturday then. So um, it kind of follows on from the Friday conversation. So looking at the sort of um, comments from the team and everything else like that, they pretty much squeezed um, what we do in an FP2 and an FP3 session into the, uh, I'm not even sure what kind of, uh, whether we can call it FP1 or just FP, um, the the sort of uh, free practice session that we had. Um, and I get the feeling that it was quite quite rushed um, and quite frantic, not just for, for McLaren, but for all the teams trying to fit everything in that they would normally do over the Friday into one session without a lot of time to change it before sort of qualifying or with, you know, obviously between FP1 and FP2 on a normal Friday, you get a, you get a good couple of hours to do setup changes and everything else like that. What are your thoughts on? Um, yeah, I think if if this compressed format had resulted in, you know, a massively mixed up order of drivers and some kind of, you know, created a bit of interest that way, then yeah, it might have been worthwhile. But even given this compressed schedule, you know, the top teams were still at the top. The midfield looked much in the same order as, it, as it's ever been, really. Um, but I, I, I must admit, I did find qualifying from a from a McLaren perspective really particularly uh, frustrating. Um, starting ninth and tenth without the choice on the tyres, but but still behind a great number of cars and with relatively little prospect of any overtaking. I, I felt Saturday kind of sealed our fate a little bit um, and kind of put yep. us a little bit on the on the back foot um, kind of meaning that we were looking at damage limitation and, and then that was kind of rooted in the, in the qualifying on, on the Saturday but um, yeah that was unfortunate I think I'd agree with you there I mean I felt that I'd kind of been expecting sixth and seventh fifth and sixth that kind of area um, maybe my expectations are high because I always want the best and because we've been doing so incredibly well this season. Um, but where, where we ended up after qualifying, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, yeah. And, and like you say, we'd, we'd already heard Lewis's comments about, well, you know, there's not going to be any over, overtaking it. In fact, I think he was a bit negative. There was a little bit more than I'd expected overall. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. The, the phrase about that sealed our fate. I think, I think that sums it up very well. Um, yeah, and I think where we ended up, um, P7, P8, I think that was about the best we could have expected. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think the quality 
didn't really help us. But I think there was a few anomalies kicked in there. I think the, um, I nearly called them Toro Rosso, sorry, the Alpha Touris um, were uh, a bit of a surprise to me. But given that they're only down the road by about 30 miles and have done a bit of a test there already this season, I suspect they might have had all of their data and simulators and everything sorted out. So I think that might have helped them a little bit. Um, certainly, I wasn't expecting to see Kibiat up there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where we're looking at those midfield cars. Uh, yeah. We're looking at the Renault. We're, we're balancing against the Renault. We're balancing against the, against the pink Mercedes. But in my head, I wasn't thinking about Gasly and Kvyat being, being the people we needed to worry about. Um, and they, they did, you know, I know Gasly didn't didn't finish, but they did it outstandingly well yeah. overall. Here you go. Here's a pop question for you. What did Lando Norris do in Q1 that he's not done this season yet? Any guesses? Beat Carlos. So, no, go on. What was that one? Sorry. I think it's something to do with tyres, isn't it? It is to do with tyres. You're right. Yes. He qualified through Q1 on one set of tyres for the first time this season. So, that to me shows that we have got a bit of pace and probably, um, you know, if we can keep doing that and end up saving some tyres for later in races and later in quality, that's going to hold us in good stead. It's, it shows, a, I guess, a little bit of progress out of the weekend. That's a good thing. So, um, yeah, but I was quite interested to read that stat. Um, that, yeah, he, he sat there in the, the garage watching everybody as he was sat in uh, P5, watching everybody else go around and qualify in Q1. While I was sat at home thinking, where's Lando? Oh, my God, what have they done? <laughs> 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 I'm never sure when that happens, Andy. If they're just not showing our cars on television, yeah, well, they should. They're the prettiest cars on tele on the grid. They certainly they? So, are. We're, we're yeah. slightly biased, but yes, they we are. are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on to sort of race day and uh, kind of go over that. Um, I want to sort of just mention a couple of things before we talk about the race. I thought that the, I think we t- touched on it already. I think the uh, guys at Sky and um, a few of the other broadcasters did very well with their sort of tributes and sort of some of the history and, you know, some of the um, uh, bringing some of the sort of uh, journalists in and stuff like that. But the bit that really kind of put that lump in my throat and made me kind of go, oh my God, was when Martin Brundle started talking about what happened Um because he was there and you could just tell <clears throat> there was a, a lot of emotion in his voice. It was, um, yeah, uh, obviously something that has obviously stayed with him. But we all know it was a pretty dark weekend. But I think um, having seen the trophies and everything else, I think they did all, all did it justice, really, in that respect. Um, what about... You're, what, you're, what, um, you're referring to the diamond on the trophies, Andy. Yes, Yes, the sparkly yeah. thing. Yes, I wasn't sure whether it was a thing. diamond or not, but there you go. Um, yeah, don't send me out to buy rings from jewelers because I don't know what a diamond looks like, apparently. <laughs> um, which brings us on, what do you think of the trophies? For, for once, we've got some trophies that actually look pretty good. What do you reckon, Owen? 
Yeah, um, I, I can't say I was um, looking too closely at them, but I'm, I... <laughs> well, because because they weren't ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, if it had been a Sonic the Hedgehog trophy, different man. Oh yes, hell of a trophy. Now, do you know what they were? They were a nice trophy because I've been getting sick of. If you look at the Heineken ones that are always the star shape, they're always yeah. kind of the same. They look they look a bit plasticky. They don't look that great. And I know the Santander ones we had in the past that were like plastic straws. Um, you know, having been to MTC as all three of us have and looked at those trophy cabinets, the ones that stand out as being the best are the ones, you know, that might look like things you put your ashes in. Uh, <laughs> but also, um, they're proper trophies. You know, I think, yeah. I think to, to quote Mr. Hamilton, I think he said it in the past, everyone wants a proper trophy, like the one you get at Silverstone, the gold one that you don't get to take home. Um, yeah. So I actually thought these ones this weekend were quite nice. And, and like we've, we've touched on, the diamond um, was there to mark on the circuit where, where Senna lost his life. Um, so it was respectful. Um, but yeah, you know, um, we like proper trophies, more, more of them. They should look individual to the race, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the race itself then. Um, what do we think, guys? What do we think of the race? I mean, I thought the, uh, I thought the race start went okay. Um, I thought there was certainly, um, like you said before, that there's not much sort of chance of overtaking. I think you mentioned that, Owen, that it's all a little bit kind of uh, quite narrow. But I thought we kind of held our own. Uh, was I think Perez was behind us to start. Is that correct? Um, so, yeah, so I thought we yeah. kind of held him off in the first few laps. Um, and, you know, obviously um, uh, Carlos and Lando swapped places and things like that. But did that kind did of, that make you nervous, Andy? Yes. Me too. Yes. I, I kind does. of worry. I worry when they're racing together, and that's not because I don't think they'd be respectful of each other, because I think they would. Um, I just worry for us that something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I prefer them further apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, when we're running in one and two in a few years' time, we'll get yes. used to it. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. <laughs> We are unashamedly biased here, and why not? What it's did you reckon? McLaren, McLaren podcast, after all. <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. Yeah, what did you think of the race start? And on? did you uh, pick up anything on that? Or you? Yeah, I, I, I really like the start of this race, and I really like the end of this race. The kind of bit that was sandwiched in the middle was the, the kind of dull bit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sort of make a cup of tea, have a piece of cake bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the, I mean, that last kind of the five lap shootout at the end, I just loved that. And um, it was great seeing Perez, you know, really attacking there with his fresh tyres and, you know, great, great entertainment, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think we, you know, I don't think we could have done, I think we finished, what was it, P7, P8? I think we were, when we went on the pit stop and we went on the mediums, I was kind of thinking, uh, we're hoping for a safety car here. Because um, obviously, the you know, the tyres were degrading a lot longer than anyone sort of thought. I think the lack of the Friday sort of running really kind of 
told at that point where teams were guessing, let's go on the hard because the, the soft is just falling apart. Um, but yeah, I think when the safety car came out, I think that really did play in our hands. Um, and, you know, I think I think we did quite quite well from then on. I think that P7 and P8 is probably a little bit more than I thought we were going to get after we qualified. Yeah, I think that, that result was a kind of hard-fought result. Um, I, I know it's not the kind of result that we wanted, but uh, it was a lot of hard work to get to get, to get the cars that high up. I would imagine the team members have, have done two, two back-to-back and they were quite happy to head home after that one. Um, because the, the, the difficulty this season has been, you know, there, there's a strange routine that people are, are following like that, um, going race to race. And I know I'd read a lot about the, the move to Imola being one of the more complex ones to do time-wise with the trucks and everything. Um, Andy, you mentioned the pit stops. I know you were concerned about the pit stops last week. I, I was, yeah, I was having sleepless nights about pit stops. Uh, <laughs> oh, you were I, feeling I, a bit better now. I am. I am. I thought that we did very well this week on pit stops, and you know, whilst I might have criticised last week or something like that, um, I'm very happy that it seems that the gremlins that we had seem to have been ironed out. And um, yeah, we, you know, maybe we're not quite at the sort of Red Bull level of it yet, but consistent, safe, and fast pit stops are what we want to see. And none of our drivers ran over the front jack either. No. No, which is good. You know, Lance Stroll, not content with hitting other cars, now yep. starts to hit his Now it goes for the team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. I think you can give a special mention to Lando for switching off Carlos's car. Yes. <laughs> beyond there. Eye for detail there as he was walking past to see that. <laughs> I missed that. What did he do, sorry? Well, Carlos left his car, switched on and got out of it. And then Lando came along and switched it off for him. <laughs> oh, I missed yes. that completely. <laughs> I, oh, will share that. I will share that with you after the podcast, Andy. It's, uh, right. it's doing the rounds on Twitter. Is it? All right. Okay. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So I think all in all, I think, uh, I think Owen touched on it a bit earlier, damage limitation. Um, but God, how close is it in the... Drivers, uh, not the drivers, the, the other championship that we're going for. Constructors. It. That's it, the constructors. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had my weighty bits today. Um, but yeah, we've got Renault on 135. We're on 134 and racing point on 134. Now, obviously, we're going to win the next four races, so it really yeah. doesn't matter. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's now getting to. I think they call this squeaky bun time, don't they? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I, you know, I I do feel that that third place in the championship is still up for grabs. Oh God, yes, definitely, definitely, and uh, and you know, forever the optimist. I see no reason why we won't grab it. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean, I, I don't like to. Um this any other teams but we have like at McLaren we've got two very strong drivers but with Renault and Racing Point you've got Stroll and Alcon who are not consistently performing to what their potential is really I, I would argue so I yeah. think we've got, we've got a fighting chance of, of, of getting it really to be honest yeah yeah I totally agree I think um, 
Uh, I mean, you're pretty much going into a weekend thinking, right, who's Stroll's going to hit this week or, you know, make contact with or spin out somewhere. Um, and like you say, Ocon hasn't really sourced. I, I like him as a driver. I was really impressed with him when he was at um, Force India back in the day. Um, yeah. But when he's, since he's come back, I've not really seen what we saw then. I've, I've not seen the kind of potential that I thought that we all thought he had. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, um, and long may that continue till the end of the season, really, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think Danny Rick's the one that's kind of ruining us at the minute. So maybe we need to get on the phone to Zach and just say, have a word with yeah. Dan, and, you know, it's coming to us next <laughs> have year. Have a word, have a word, yeah, you know, definitely. If he, if, he, if he wants another couple of million spent on his car, he's, uh, you know, got to stop doing these podiums and stuff like that. <laughs> so, there you go. I think that's kind of uh, covered us on for, for, for sort of the, the week. Anything else you guys want to add? Uh, you got anything else you want to kind of touch on there, Owen, or... Sarah? No, I think, I think we've covered it all. Yeah, I think we've we've covered it well. Yeah, so yeah. onwards, onwards to Turkey. On to Turkey, and yes, uh, as I've got in my notes here, remember turn eight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think I think people who've not seen F one in Turkey are in for a bit of a treat. Um, turn eight's a bit of a beast. <laughs> um, is I, I do, but. Uh, as far as I can remember, it's a um, is it a long right hander? Um, let me just bring this up here. So, um, Andy's live googling. I am. Yeah, there you go. You can see live on board with Nicola Rosberg drifting. Oh no, it's a left hander. It's a left-hander. It's a left-hander, but it's quite a long sweeping curve. And, um, yeah, I think the driver's are always you, um, it's... Are you going as far to predict an exciting race then, Mr Donnelly? Do you know what? I, 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 I'll put my hat on it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's going to be a cracker. I think I've just got this feeling that... Obviously, you know, some of the t- most of us, the teams have all got a bit of data because I think it was, you know, is it five years since we were there? Five or six years? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and all the drivers used to say they love racing there, so that always yep. is a good sign. So, hopefully, we get some good places to overtake, we can make up some places, and we can do quite well. I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for. This is the thing, I think we've touched on it there, is that a, a you know, double points finish puts us in a really strong position for the last three races, I think. Yeah. And also, Definitely. what we haven't mentioned uh, um, is that the gap between Lando and Carlos is four points. So there's everything to play for between the two of them as well. Oh, yeah, that could get spicy. And they they do it? like a bit of competition between them, don't they? So that yeah. can be a, a good incentive as well. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, let's uh and we look forward to that and obviously we'll have another podcast after that one. Um on, let's talk a little bit about you being a McLaren fan. So um I, I guess I've known you for about five or six years, maybe a bit longer. Um we've seen each other a few times at some some of the McLaren events. Uh 
and things like that. Um, so how did you become a McLaren fan? What well, started it for you? I, I, I became an F1 fan uh, back, well, the first season that I watched was 1986. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know... You do not look that old. <laughs> uh, 1986 season was possibly one of the best Formula 1 seasons ever, I would argue. Um, I think there was four drivers up for contention for most of the season, and by the end, by the last race, it was three drivers could have won the championship. So it, it was a fantastically entertaining season. So once I kind of got through that season, I was kind of hooked for life <laughs> on F1. Um, initially, I did, um, I did not support McLaren. I have to admit that here. <laughs> I was a big uh, Senna fan, so I was you know a huge kind of fanatic for, for Ayrton Senna. Um, and certainly Senna would be my kind of primary choice. And I was more a driver fan than a team fan. Um, and obviously followed his career um, all the way up to, to Imola in 1994 um, and that uh, tragic weekend. Um, and then F1 kind of fell off my radar a bit. I kind of lost the enthusiasm for F1 and I think probably a lot of other Senna fans can probably well I hopefully can re relate to that a bit um, and then we we had a young Scott coming into Formula One uh, I'm a Scott as well I should have <laughs> called David Coulthard and I started kind of getting interested in his career um, him then teaming up with Mika and, and Mika was um he just seemed like such a nice guy. <laughs> I just really liked Mika. I just kind of took to him as a person. Um, and that was when I kind of, it, it took me several years to kind of realize that actually, you know, I'm not going to support a driver. I'm going to support a team because the one kind of thread that had run through all my years of Formula One was kind of really pushing for McLaren to do well and, and following McLaren. So, I kind of properly became a McLaren fan in about 96, 97 kind of thing. Um, and then I've, I've just kind of, I suppose, gradually got more and more into it. Um, and then joined Twitter on uh, 2011, something like that. Um, and I've, you know, I've been very lucky to have experienced lots of uh, experiences with the team and being offered things from the team and just being able to get much closer to McLaren through through social media um, like, a, like a few of us have um, and uh, that takes us up to the, the present day really. Yeah I mean that's it's, you know I think there's probably quite a few people out there that probably relate to a lot of where it started um, you know so, certainly um, you know, I, I, around the same time I started watching F1 as well. Um, but I, all I can remember was red and white cars. And being a Sunderland fan, I was quite interested in red and white cars. So uh, <laughs> that's where it kind of sort of all started. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, some of the sort of experiences that you've had and things like that. One thing I'd like to touch on is um, most race weekends, you produce some what what I guess you call fan art. Is that what they would call yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, 
some of the stuff that you produce is outstanding. It's some of it's stunning, and you know, uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over there. All of it's stunning. Not some of it, all of it. All of it is much better than we could do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, but, I'm actually really surprised that an F1 team's not snapped you up to do their graphic design and stuff like that. Um, well, thank you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, some of the stuff that you've uh, done and that just, yeah, I, I've got, a, I, I particularly like that Brazilian one that you sent over. That was is one of my actual favourites. Um, you should really do a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think, think that nobody would buy it, but I believe <laughs> me, people would. It's really good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll be uh, tweeting a few of those pictures uh, out from the account so you can have a look and uh, you can follow on, on, the, um, on Twitter and get a feel for what he does. Right, guys, we've... Um, We've got about three minutes left, so let's just any last sort of points, anything else that anyone wants to touch on before we wrap up? No, no, I, I, th- I think that's a good summation of it. Um, Owen, just quickly, is, is there any more artwork coming out for, for the next race? Anything you want you can share with us so the podcast listeners get a bit of uh, a secret insight? Well, Hopefully, it's kind of getting the time to do justice, really. But yeah, I'll, I'll, they'll certainly be. I mean, I would like to do something, uh, and it kind of saddens me to say this, but as a kind of farewell to Carlos, um, I, I feel it's appropriate to do something for that. So I might look at that. Um, but um, and I'll also do something. I do something at Christmas time because I always do something at Christmas time. So uh, yeah. I'm with you there. I've just yeah. designed my Christmas card. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Um, that's the only that's the only thing I, I i get warmed up to do so the christmas card is being printed right now excellent yeah. thanks andy no worries um yeah uh, i guess last one for me how long does it kind of normally take you to do one of those uh the, the art um on a race weekend probably about three or four hours right each, possibly a little bit more for some of the more complex ones but yeah, the, the, the problem with F1 cars is that they are immensely complicated from the, in terms of the shape of them and the, all the kind of flicks and wings and all the rest of it. So when you're trying to cut an image out, it, it does take its time, unfortunately. But right. Hopefully the end result is worth it. All right. Great stuff. I hope everybody's enjoyed um, the podcast this week. Uh, quick shout out. Um, Twitter handles, please. Owen. Uh, Twitter handle. F1 McLaren fan. Sarah. At Sarahware, as always. Yeah, and you can get in touch with us on Twitter on McLaren Fancast. Um, we will have another episode in the next couple of weeks. Um, we will say goodbye because time's up, and I hope you enjoy this.